That's what he said this morning, but we had a nice class this morning. Oh, well, that's nice class. of you to say. I was just trying to repeat Srila Prabhupada's words. So, uh, tonight's class is Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 4, Text 6. Mm-hmm. So, for those who have uh, a Bhagavatam, should we, do we take turns chanting the verse? Yeah. Can you repeat yes. that? Mm-hmm. You repeat it's uh, uh, Canto 1, Chapter 4, Text 6. Text six. Got it? On the one I have, it's page 197. The appearance of Sri Narada? Okay. Yeah, the appearance of Sri Narada. Do you have the copy or is that the Gita? It's no. the Gita. You guys can double up and share if you like. So I'll say the, the uh, single words and then and then we'll do the chanting. Mm-hmm. Katham Katham Alakshitaha Alakshitaha Horai Horai Sampradha Sampradha Guru Guru Jangalan Unmata Mukha Jadavad Vicharam Gaja Savavet Vaye Katamalakshitaha Porai Sampraptaha Kuru Jangalam Unmata Mukha Java Jadavad Vicharam Gajasahyave Katamalakshitaha Porai Sampraptaha Kuru Jangalan Unmata Mukha Java Jadavad Vicharan Gajasavaye Katamalakshitaha Porai Sampraptaha Kuru Jangalan, Unmuta Mukaja Davad, Unmuta Mukaja Davad, Vicharanga Jasad Yave, Guru Jangalan, Sampta Guru Jangalan, Unmata Mukha Jadavad, Unmata Mukha Jadavad, Vicharanga Jasavaye, Vicharanga Jasavaye. Anyone else want to give it a shot? Go ahead, Ami. Katam Malakshita Avaraha. Katamalakshita Sita Porai, Katamalakshita Porai, Sampratta Kuru Jangalan, Sampratta Kuru Jangalan, Unmata Mukha Jadavad, 
Katam Katam How Alakshitaha Recognize Porai Porai by the citizens by the citizens samprapthah samprapthah reaching reaching kuru jangalan kuru jangalan the kuru jangala kuru jangala provinces unmat unmata unmata mad mad muka muka dumb dumb jadavat jadavat stunted stunted vicharan vicharan wandering wandering Gajasāyavaye Hastinapura Translation How was he, Sukadev Goswami, the son of Vyas, recognized by the citizens when he entered the city of Hastinapur, now Delhi, after wandering in the provinces of Kuru and Jangala, appearing like a madman, dumb and retarded? So I'll say, and you can repeat. How was he? How was he? Sukadev Goswami, the son of Vyas, recognized by the citizens when he entered the city of Hastinapur, now Delhi, after wandering the provinces of Kuru and Jangala. Appearing like a madman, dumb and retarded. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. The present city of Delhi was formerly known as Hastinapur because it was first established by King Hasti. Goswami Sukadev, after leaving his paternal home, was roaming like a madman and therefore it was very difficult for the citizens to recognize him in his exalted position. A sage is not, therefore, recognized by sight, but by hearing. One should approach a shadu, or great sage, not to see, but to hear him. If one is not prepared to hear the words of a shadu, there is no prophet. Sukadev Goswami was a shadu who could speak the transcendental activities of the Lord. He did not satisfy the whims of ordinary citizens. He was recognized when he spoke on the subject of Bhagavatam, and he never attempted jugglery like a magician. Outwardly, he appeared to be retarded, uh, to be a retarded, dumb madman. But in fact, he was the most elevated transcendental personality. Om Ajnanati Marindasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jina Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha I like to remind myself uh, as often as I can remember uh, I like to say that prayer uh, at least once a day many times a day if I can Om Ajnanati Marindasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jina Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha um, it says, I was born in the darkness of ignorance. You see, I had no knowledge. I'm thinking, I'm this, I'm that, I'm an American, I'm a boy, I play baseball, I want to be a fireman when I grow up, or a policeman, <laughs> or a soldier, or something. You know, I want to be like Elvis Presley, you see. I was in the darkness of ignorance. Uh, but for the grace of my spiritual master, I would still be there. I would be worse. I would be deeper, you see. So, 
uh, the spiritual master opened my darkened eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. So this torchlight of knowledge, uh, knowledge is king, you see. Uh, and it's something that once we get, how do we abandon it, you see? How do you dumb yourself down? You know, once you get the truth, once you know 2 plus 2 is 4, how do you go to 2 plus 2 is 3 or 5, you see? Once you learn knowledge, how is it that we abandon it, you see? So this knowledge is very valuable. So uh, Sukadev Goswami is uh, a, a wandering mendicant. He's a sadhu. A sadhu is one who gives you knowledge, you see. And not knowledge of uh, necessarily, you know, how to uh, work a computer or how to fix a car, you see. So many, there's so much uh, so-called knowledge in the world that will help you um, uh, in your economic development, it will help you make more money, do better, uh, have a better career, attract a better mate, uh, have a nicer house, better transportation, so much. So there's so much knowledge like that. But uh, the type of knowledge that we get from a shadu is how do we end this cycle of birth and death that we find ourselves in, you see. The shadu can actually save you from repeating it again and again and again and again in so many different forms of human life. Does anybody know how many forms of human life there are? 400,000. 400,000, that's right. 400,000 species of human life in the material creation. Now, are there 400,000 on this planet? No. So there are hundreds of thousands of species of humanoid and the rest of this cosmic manifestation. So that the, the uh, Bhagavatam answers the question, is there life on other planets? Yes, there is. You know, there's human life, humanoid, you see. Uh, eight million forms of uh, animal life. Eight million four hundred thousand species of life, you see. Uh, some people say, well, what's the purpose of so many? Well, Prabhupada explains, there are 8,400,000 species of life because we have 8,400,000 different desires or combinations wow. of desires. So for each uh, birth, each life uh, that's there for you to enjoy according to your desires. Hmm. Now when the minds process that you think, well, wait a minute. Well, why would I want to be a hog? Why would you? Well, you don't. Right now you have a human body. You don't want that, you know. I wouldn't want to be a pigeon, would you? So we don't start out thinking, oh, well, I want to be a pigeon, or I want to be a hog, or I want to be a dog. That's not our goal. But we have a certain set of desires. Your sum total of your desires at the time of death gives you your next body, you see. So, uh, and th this is a crude example, but I use it often and it seems to work. For someone who's at the time of death, their sum total of their desires uh, is trumped by their desire for sex life. You see, they want so many things, but sex life is chief. So what kind of body should they get? The human body is not very good for someone who has tremendous sex desire. Huh? Pigeon. Yes. The pigeon has sex once every ten minutes. I didn't know that. Yes. Seven sex. Every day. Oh, I thought rabbits were the ones that Well then there's rabbits. Prabhupada uses the example of the pigeon. Every ten minutes. Every ten minutes. Yeah. Some monkeys have some monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, the pigeon or the rabbit or the monkey, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to take her to dinner or to a movie. Doesn't have to get her intoxicated. He doesn't have to make any promises. He doesn't have to say, I'll be with you forever, he doesn't have to buy a ring. Same makes it easy. When there's procreation, there's no child support. 
He doesn't have to hang around. There's no responsibility. He can walk away. You see? So this human life is not very good for that, for satisfying that desire. If we have that desire in human life, it causes great problems. It's very problematic. It causes great frustration. You see? Huh? So, uh, yeah, you know, so much entangled. Great entanglement. Anxiety, you know, because the human form of life doesn't satisfy that. Now, some people think, well, wait a minute. You know, I mean, aren't, don't I have higher intelligence? I mean, that means, don't I have better senses than a, a pigeon? How can a pigeon enjoy, like, you know, that act like I can? Well, the animals, if we use our intelligence, we can see the animals have uh, higher senses, greater senses than we do. For instance, an eagle can read a headline of a newspaper a mile away. A dog can smell a hundred times better than a human. Sense of touch in many animal forms, far better. Sense of taste. You know, a snake can stick his tongue out and taste and, and tell how far you are, how large you are. Wow. You see, their senses are far more developed. So the question of, well, do they enjoy it as much as I do? Oh, yeah, more. It's a better form of life for that activity. We have an advanced brain, which allows us to ask, Hey, wait a minute. Who am I? What am I? Is there life after death? You see? If so, uh, is there a God? We we're aware of this presence of this supreme uh, entity, God. If there is a God, what does that, what does he want? You see? Do I want to go to him? If I do, how do I get there? You see? This is the purpose of human life. Now, some people may say, well, you know, I don't really care much for this conversation. You know, I don't, sure, there's a God, and I believe there's a God, but, you know, I really am interested in so many other things, you know. Uh, if we have the desire to eat and eat and eat and eat, well, then the body of a hog, for instance, is very good. You know, eating and eating. And sex life, you see. With no restrictions. Now, can you imagine... A form of life, picture this now, imagine a body that will give you the highest desire that you want. Like, let's picture your favorite food, and you can have it anytime you want to in this particular type of body. And all you have to do is open your mouth, and your favorite food comes into your mouth. And then when you're completely full, and, and you're in a situation where you're very comfortable, and when you're completely full, you can stop and then go chase some sex life. Is there such a body? And here you are, in a, you get in a, your most favorite com, uh, com, uh, uh, position, your favorite surroundings, very comforting, and all you have to do is open your mouth, and your favorite food fl just flows into your mouth as much as you want until you're completely full. Is there such a body? Yes. We see them all the time in India. In India they have uh, many places, they have uh, uh, what is it called? Outdoor sewage. You know, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And there's a like in Vrindavan, when you go to step into a shop, if you want to go buy some cloth, you step over the ditch. There's a ditch about this wide, like that, maybe this deep. And the, the, the sewage is flowing through there. The water flows and washes the sewage down. And the hogs are very uh, attracted to eating stool. It's their favorite food. So it's very hot in the summertime, so the hog gets down in this water. It's very cooling and soothing. And all he has to do is open his mouth. And his favorite food 
Now to us, see, to us, that's the reaction. But to the hog, it's like, mmm. He's got it. He's got it, as they say, made in the shade. Wow. And then when he's completely full, he gets up and thinks, I'm going to go find a, a she-hog you know, and enjoy. What a life. You see? Oh, boy. Papa said, doesn't matter if it's his mother or his doesn't matter. sister. Or doesn't matter. No, no. Whoever's available and ready. It's all good. You see? So, uh, now why does the hog think it's good? Well, he doesn't have the brain substance for us to calculate like we do. We calculate. No, no, that's not good. This is good. You see like that. So, uh, a sadhu is one who alerts us to this. Why are you wasting this human form of life? You see? Oh. It's not that he criticizes or thinks he's better. He sees that we're in a diseased condition. You see, our mind is diseased because it's attracted to these material things, chasing so hard, you see, for this. Srila Prabhupada, uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, was, well, he told me this story. He was riding in with Srila Prabhupada. Uh, they were taking Prabhupada from the Los Angeles temple to the LAX airport. He was going to catch flight. And so along the freeway, Prabhupada is looking so many high buildings, you know, and in Los Angeles, Prabhupada's looking. And Tamal Krishna Maharaj thought, what is Prabhupada looking at? Hmm. Prabhupada would look and say, hmm. And after a little while, Prabhupada said, hmm, simply sex life. And Tamal Krishna Maharaj said, what's that, Prabhupada? Prabhupada said, simply sex life. This is all here because of sex life. Desire for sex life, more money, more attraction. He's a simply sex life, driven, the society is driven by sex life. Yeah. We were talking earlier, Gino and I and Lauren, about Prabhupada's innocence. He was so innocent. He meant no harm to anyone. He was a shadu. He was here to awaken uh, your consciousness, to show you what a human being, what does it mean to be a human being, you see. So, uh, because he was totally innocent, he was 100% pure. He had no contamination. Some people say, well, that's not possible. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> you see. So, because of Prabhupada's innocence, he could speak his heart. And no one became offended. Because he was only looking out for you, love for you and all living entities. You see, pure love. So, he was leaving to... Uh, uh, this was in New, New York. He was leaving the country, about to get on a, a plane to go to India. And so a reporter on the news, national news, in those days we didn't have a hundred channels. You know, you had ABC, NBC, and CBS, and maybe another, a city might have a local station, you know, like Chicago had WGN, which was local then. There was no cable, you know. So, this is, you know, this is evening news kind of stuff. So the reporter, uh, and I forget, somebody who was famous at the time, I don't remember who it was, they're going to interview the Hare Krishna guru. So Prabhupada's about to go get on the plane. And they said, well, Swami, what did you think of our country? And he stuck the microphone in Prabhupada's face, and Prabhupada looked right into the camera, and he said, you have a nation of cats and dogs. <laughs> Simply chasing, uh, chasing sex life. And the, the reporter was like, oh. But no one said, oh, this is terrible. Nobody took offense, you see. He didn't mean it nasty. A nation of cats and dogs. Yeah. They're walking on four legs, you're walking on two legs. Animal society, you see. Why? You can see. We're chasing so many mundane enjoyments like the animals. To be a human being takes more than just a body. It takes a mindset. To be a human being, we have to, um, I mean, to truly be a human being, we have to consider, who am I? What is my destiny? Why am I here? What's the meaning of life? 
you see. Is there a God? Is there life after death, etc.? These are human being considerations. The squirrels don't think like that, you see. Neither do the dogs or the pigeons. You know, they're, they're uh, distracted by, their, by satisfying their senses, you see. So the human beings, as we've already understood, we don't have as much sense perception as the animals. So we're, we're given a couple of breaks. We're in a body that doesn't have, although our senses feel very demanding to us, not as much as like uh, the animals though. We can see they have higher developed senses, which you know, you can't help but be uh, dictated by your senses when you're in the animal species. It's so potent. And at the same time, you don't have the brain to say, oh, maybe I shouldn't follow this sensual urge, you see. The, the animals simply follow. You see, they just go. The tongue wants this, they go for it. Huh? They want this, they want that, they just simply pursue it. Human beings, uh, suddenly now you're in a situation where you don't have the advanced senses of the animals. You have this advanced brain, you see. Uh, and we can use it in so many different ways. We can use it in trying to figure out how can I enjoy on a higher level. You see, one, one example I really like, and I've repeated it a, a bunch, is like Prabhupada said, that let's say when you take your meal, that you can only hold four chapatis, you know? Along with your meal, you hold, eat four chapatis and you're full. That's enough. And you're making, say, $500 a month. That was the example he used. Now, that was a lot of money back in the 70s, you know? So, uh, he says, what if you increase your earnings to $5 million per month? Still, you can only eat four chapatis. <laughs> So in other words, uh, it's like we were talking this morning. I think it was this morning we were talking about uh, uh, economic development, keeping body and soul together. To us, when we hear that, uh, just keeping body and soul together, that sounds like a great austerity. You know, you mean I'm only allowed four chapatis a day? Well, how many chapatis can you eat? Well, only four, but if I want more, I want the right and, and the resources to have it. Well, can you hold more than four? Well, no, but... Still, I'm working so hard, you know, to make so much money, you know. Well, if you're, uh, if, if, uh, if this room, uh, or this house is enough for you and, and your family to live comfortably, why does, it, if it's twice the size, is that, are you more comfortable? The mind may tell you, oh yeah, well, no. You see? What did people do before there was things like air conditioning? Air conditioning didn't become popular until 1957. It wasn't that long ago. What did they do for thousands of years before that? They did just fine. When I was a child, we didn't have air conditioning. I lived in Chicago, but in the summers it was hot and humid. And I don't remember ever thinking, oh, I wish there was some way to go. You open the window, turn on a fan, wear fewer clothes. What do they do in India? You know, it's hot. Sometimes they put uh, this uh, bamboo curtain, they wet it, and they blow a fan. So many different, you know. People are dying by the millions. It even gets hotter. You see, it's a perception. I need this. But actually, it doesn't come like that. Someone comes along and says, hey, how would you like this? I remember the first time I rode in a car that had air conditioning. I had never thought about it before in my life, and I've driven so many different cars. You know, you roll down the windows. I mean, so finally I got into this car that had air conditioning, and it was on a hot day, and I thought, hey, this, well, this feels nice. You see, that created a desire. Now I want air conditioning. Someday I'm going to have a car with air conditioning, you know, if I can ever afford it. You see, up until then, it wasn't pushed in front of me, you see. 
So, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, they used to say. Mm-hmm. And they still say that. But now, the Vaishas, the, the business uh, community, are so expert at telling you that you have a need that you don't know you have. You see. If you buy my product, it'll satisfy this need. And you're, you may think, well, I don't have that need. But then you think, well, now that you mention it, I guess I do. I do need to buy that product. You know, in the 60s, you could have never sold anybody a cell phone. It would have been ridiculous. I have a phone you can carry around with you. Well, what's the use of that? I have a phone at home. I even have an extension. I have a phone in the hallway and I have a phone in the, right by my bed. What's the use of it? It's nonsense. <laughs> no. We didn't have fax machines. We didn't have computers. We didn't have, we didn't have, we didn't have. We didn't have 150 channels on television. Or how many do they have now? I don't know. I've heard that they have over 400 now. Gosh, I hope not. You know. So, um, but I'm convincing you that we have this and you need it. And your brain processes that, you see. It's not a need, but you process it. Oh, it is a need. I need that, you see. Uh, we were talking this morning in class about uh, the difference, the development of televisions. You know, we go from... Uh, well, I remember, I'm revealing my age, but I remember when we didn't have color television. You know? Yeah, big deal when you got it. And then color TV came out. and wonderful. Whoa, <laughs> I wish I had color TV. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, there, it wasn't there before. Nobody was, you know, there was no picketing in front of City Hall. We demand color television. People weren't lamenting, jumping out of windows because we don't have color television. You just didn't have color television. Then when it came out, well, I've got to have it. And through the years, you know, you can get one that's bigger. The first television we had uh, when I was a boy was like, had a round screen about, you know, maybe seven inches or like that. <laughs> a big cabinet. <laughs> a big cabinet. You know. Tiny screen. You know, I thought it was wonderful when I was a kid. I thought, ooh. Before that, we had radio, which I thought was wonderful. Right. We had television. That was, you see. And then color television, bigger screen, 25 inch. Then it went, you know, flat screen, this, that. You keep coming up with something new, and you think, oh, I've got to have that. You see. Uh, so, yes, let me do this, let me do that. Let me make sure that I get uh, the proper education so that I can afford these things that I need. You see, I need them. So the, the purpose of the sadhu is to say, hey, wait a minute. Wake up. Jeev Jago, wake up, sleeping souls. Uh, let me get your attention. Let me get you to focus your attention on your well-being, your spiritual well-being. Uh, your, your spiritual destination, you see. Uh, what is the purpose of this human life, you see? So the people may look at the Shadu, like it says here, they looked at Sukadeva Goswami as like a madman. He wasn't dressed in uh, uh, fashionable clothing, you see. He didn't wear clothing. Sukadeva Goswami just wandered. They thought he was Looney Tune. He just—he was a wandering madman that could save you from the cycle of birth and death. But he couldn't tell you how to turn on a computer or whatever technology was available. And he wasn't expert in any of that. He had no desire. He had no knowledge. He didn't care for any of that. You see. But he could tell you who you are what your purpose in life is, uh, who is God, and how to find Him, how to seek Him out, if that is your desire, you see. So, um, why don't I pause here and let's get some conversations going. Comments or criticisms, whatever. Can I just ask about this picture? Is Sukadeva yeah. Goswami the one receiving the words? Or giving no, words. that's Maharaj Pariksha. 
Maharaj Parikshit yeah. is receiving the words. And, and that's Shukadev Goswami on the Vyasa. Shukadev Goswami, yeah. the blue fella. Yeah. Bluish. Yeah. And you're right, not wearing any no. clothes. He was innocent, though. He was totally innocent. He had no sensual desire. And then someone is in the crowd is Vyasadeva, who is hearing the information? Or Those what? are the sages that, are, that have assembled. Okay. Uh, Shukadeva Goswami is the son of Vyas. Okay. You see. And I get that confused. The, the, uh, the story of that, why is that uh, uh, happening? Why is Srimad Bhagavatam being spoken? Because King uh, Parikshit, Parikshit Maharaj, uh, uh, well, to tell the full story, I'll make it short, but the whole story. He was, in those days, the kings were uh, great chatrias. They were great warriors. And uh, uh, sporting. So he was hunting. He was on a hunting expedition. And he uh, came out of the forest, and there's a little hut, and uh, he wanted some water. So he thought, I'll go to that house and get some water. So as he walked in, there was a, a sage or a, a, a person, a man, sitting in meditation. Like this, you know, he's meditating. So the king walked in and the, the man didn't notice him because he was deep in meditation. So the king being a little, maybe a little puffed up, a little bit all inside of his position as being king, he thought, why aren't you all paying me proper obeisances? Why don't you see if I want water? The man was just in meditation. So there was a, a dead snake. Somebody had killed a, a dead poisonous snake and the body was laying over in the yard. So the king took his bow and he picked up this snake and he draped it around the man's neck like a garland, giving him a garland of a dead snake. You see, just like, I'll teach you. I'm not going to disturb your meditation, but you know, you know you've offended me by not recognizing me. So, uh, the man's son, whose name was, do you know what his name? Do you remember the name? Srinji. Srinji. He was a Brahmin, the son of a Brahmin. And uh, he saw this. And he became deeply offended at the king. So he cursed the king. He cursed the king that he would be bitten by a snake bird. Now, there was no such thing as a snake bird, but Srinji was so deep in anger at the king that he had done this to his father, that he cursed that it would happen, and therefore there will be a creature, a snake bird, will come and bite the king within seven days. So, And the king knew, oh, this will happen. Brahman has willed it. It will happen. So he's thinking, ah, oh, I have seven days to live. So Sukadev Goswami came, and he, being, uh, he got over his temporary moment of, of being into being a king, and he thought, now I have seven days to live. Uh, I ask you, my dear sadhu, Sukadev Goswami, please tell me uh, what I need to know to end this cycle of birth and death, to go back home, back to Godhead. So Sukadev Goswami spoke to Srimad Bhagavatam, you see, rather than the king wasting time trying to say, is there any way that I could get away from it, get out of this? He thought, oh, and actually he took it as kind of a blessing. Now I know that I only have seven days. I know the extent of my life. So now I'm getting down to it. You know, I'm getting really serious about my spiritual life huh? because death is seven days away. So Shukadev Goswami spoke to Srimad Bhagavatam and at the end the snake bird came. Hmm. But uh, the king's men were all around. They were guarding, waiting for this snake bird to come. You see. Seeing if they could protect the king. He had heard Srimad Bhagavatam but they're all, the army is there. So different people were coming by to offer their obeisances to the king. You see one old man is walking by wants to touch the king's feet and uh, he bent over to touch the king's feet and turned into this gigantic snake bird hmm. bit the king and the venom was so powerful so potent that the king burst into flames burned him up there's a picture 
you know that picture? Yeah. There's a uh, well, an artist drawing of that's very amazing. Wow. You see. So to the materialist, we may think, oh, only seven days left to enjoy this body. My, I'm going to lose my body in seven days. I have only seven days to enjoy. But the king, being a devotee, understood. And being very wise, he understood. Ah, oh, seven days. So now it's time for me to get serious. So for the rest of us, we have the benefit of putting it off. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know there's a God, and I know it's, I know I'm going to die. But it's not going to be next week, is it? Probably not. Statistically, no. You see, when you're young, you think, statistically, I'm going to live to be like 73. You know? And then when you get to be in your 60s, you think, <laughs> if statistics are right, you know, I've got another 10 years if I'm lucky. Whoa. It's kind of sobering, see. But the king was very sober. He had seven days. He made the best of it. You see. So does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. I never heard that story about the snake bird and yeah. Maharaj Parishit bursting into flames. Yeah. Yeah, when the I snake bird that. bit him. But, uh, it wasn't like a little snake with wings. <laughs> when the old man turned into the snake bird, he was big. <laughs> venom. I mean, he was taller than the king, and his venom was so potent that as soon as it hit the king's body, his body burst into flame. Wow. Very, very interesting, you see. So what else? What other comments or questions? How are we doing on time? What's the... Uh, Three minutes to late. So we, we should break up at eight? Yeah. Okay. It was a, it was a short purport, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, was, very short. There's a couple of points in there, maybe. I don't know. We didn't talk about. Yeah. Uh, I only centered on the fact that he was a shadu. What is a shadu? A shadu is one who, uh, uh, who we hear. You know, we don't recognize the shadu by looking at him. You know, we recognize uh, by what he says. We hear a shadu. Um, uh, that's another point that's made in this purport. Uh, a sage or, or a shadu uh, is not recognized by uh, sight, but by hearing. One should approach a shadu or a great sage not to see, but to hear him. If one is not prepared to hear the words of a shadu, there is no profit. Meaning, meaning there is no benefit if you're not prepared to hear the words. You see. And so many people, they're not ready to hear. They're not thinking, oh. And some people, as I said, they have the thought. And being human beings, will all, almost every human being will have the thought of, uh, is there a God? You know? Is there life after death? What happens after death? There's some consideration, but depending on our uh, depending on our material situation, meaning that our uh, infatuation by the material energy. You know, some souls have been in this material world so long that we're starting to see. I'm just on a merry-go-round. We're no longer impressed. You see, so we start to seek out something higher. We have uh, other concerns. Maybe there's something more to the story rather than just economic development. You see, how can I get more? How can I get more before before you get it? Because if if you do well, then you may get some of my share. So how can I wish you well? Uh, in business, I used to have uh, one competitor that I worked against. He was very, uh, very good at what he did. And uh, when I would see him at a convention, he would say, well, I, I wish you well, but not at my expense, you see. In other words, it was uh, uh, a friendly rivalry, you know. And we all knew, I, I will, uh, I'm using a metaphor, but I'll slit your throat if I have to, because I know you'll slit mine. You know, I'll get there earlier if I have to. I'll polish my product a little more than you may if I have to. I'll do what I have to to get in front of you 
because I want the prize, and if I don't work hard, I know you'll get the prize. I see you as a worthy competitor, and I wish you well, so long as it's at his expense, or his expense, and not mine, you see. It's just like we see sometimes an animal make an eagle. I remember seeing a, uh, a bronze statue of an eagle. You know how an eagle will swoop down into the water and grab a fish? So the eagle had swooped down and had a fish in his talons. And another eagle had come up to take it away. And uh, the owner of this company that uh, I would work for, he said, this is our life. <laughs> This is business, mm -hmm. and a smart man knows it. I've got it, and you want it, and I know it. So yes, we'll be friend, we'll be friendly, we'll be civil to one another, but I know what you want. You want what I have, and I want what you have. So let us be friends. <laughs> it's the nature of the material world. And we're talking very polished, educated, civilized people. Civilized enough to, to, to go eye to eye and, let, and, and say, look, we both know what we want. I want yours and you want mine. <laughs> That's the nature of the material world. Wow. You see, now it goes lesser than that, less civilized. Means I take my gun or my knife and I just take your life and, and take what you have. Right. The mentality is very much the same though. <laughs> so the, the Shadu's duty is to point that out. Uh, we may want, 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 but so does our neighbor and so does our competitor. You see, everybody else wants the resources. There are only uh, so many resources to go around. And but just before we close, let me leave you with, with a thought. Um, there's only so many resources in the world, but there's enough for everybody to do fine, you see. Now, the statistics that I hear, and I don't know if they're true, but I hear them all the time, is that America has something like 4% of the population of the world, and we use 25% of the resources. Have you all heard that? Is that kind of something like that? Something like that. Okay. So let's just do some math. All right. Now, these same experts are saying that India and China, their economy will catch up with uh, America's by 2035, thereabouts. Okay. So uh, you have India and China together. That's what? 40% huh, of the population? If they each need, if every 4% that they represent needs 25% of the energy to live like us, are you doing the math here? I'm trouble. We're in trouble. In other words, it can't happen. There's only 100%. It's not going to happen. We've got to keep these other countries third world if we're going to stay. Now, if they're going to become... Uh, first world, or whatever you call it, then we're going to have to become third world. You see, there's not enough. It cannot happen. You see, there's not enough resources. And some people may say, well, we can produce more electricity. Look, well, what about water? Food. You see, what about the resources needed to support this uh, Western way of life? So it's doomed. We know it is. We just don't know when. But it's renewable energy sources. Renewable, yeah. We need to do everything we possibly can. But still, we know the demand is going to be tremendous, which means tremendous profit for many people. But it's, always going to, it's also going to mean uh, struggle, oh. war. Look at our history. We've always, you know, as, as, a, as the human race, we've always done like that. If I don't have enough, but if I have enough resources to put together an army, then I'll come and get what you have. You see. So, anyway.
Therefore, we need to put everybody in Krishna consciousness. Right. You see? Yeah, that sounds We need to convince everybody. Hey, look, you can only hold four chapatis. Isn't four enough? You only need so much. Isn't that enough? That's a solution for this. Now, let me give you the good news. To close on, on, a, on a, a bright thought, the good news is that 500 years ago, Lord Chaitanya came and started a 10,000-year uh, golden age. So, uh, 500 years of that have passed. We have 9,500 years of the golden age of Lord Chaitanya on this planet, which means everyone is getting... Uh, Lord Chaitanya broke open the storehouse of love of Godhead. He broke it open. And he's giving it free to everyone. Because of what we just discussed, it's going to get tough in this Kali Yuga on this planet. So Krishna, out of his mercy, thought, you know, I, want, I need to do something very sweet. So I need to make it extremely easy for these people to become, uh, the people of this earth planet to become Krishna conscious. I need to make it easy. No, you know, strict meditation and yada yada for hundreds of years and... No, Krishna says, no, I'm just going to distribute uh, the, freely the chanting of Hare Krishna. You just chant this Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Hare Hare. Just do that and perform loving devotional service to me, and I'll do everything else for you. And it's going to be, it's, it's like uh, handing out lottery tickets, winning lottery tickets to everybody who will take them. You see, we as devotees, we can't force you to accept your winning ticket. And if you do accept it, we can't force you to go cash it in. But at least you do. If you get the ticket, you have to go down and cash it in. You see, they don't bring the money to you. It's like Prabhupada said, if you fall in a well and you're crying, help me, help me, and someone sends down a rope, well, you at least have to grab it and hold on. What do you want? Somebody to come down and pick you up and carry you up? You know. So, for 9,500 years, this planet, this is a very wonderful place to take birth. It's a very fortunate time. It's easier now than it ever has been on this planet. You see? It's totally easy. All you have to do, Krishna says again and again in Bhagavad Gita, I will carry you. I will do it for you. Just become my devotee. Render service to me. I will deliver you. Personally. So. Alright. I think we probably should wrap yeah. it up. Huh? Yeah. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much.